tried everything. Yeah. I think there's I think there's a um, problem with the soundboard on my laptop. Maybe we need to buy you a Zoom or something. We talked about that. Maybe we should get you a Zoom. What the fuck's a Zoom? Zoom? Pocket recorder. Hey, if this uh, Kirby Paint and Towel Plus thing blows up, you know, you can buy a a new (laughs) laptop. (laughs) This is it. Oh, so by the way, you are listening to Engine Podcast. No, I don't know. (laughs) I don't even. I don't even know what episode this is. I don't know what our intro is. Fuck. All right. Well, that's the intro. Welcome to the In General Podcast, episode 84. My name's Jack. I'm joined with Chris and Caleb. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, this, is, uh, this is the first time you've joined us, but it's not the first time we've talked or met. We met you at the wedding. Yeah, Josh and Who? Jennifer's wedding. Who? That was a great time. <laughs> wedding? Caleb? <laughs> Who? What? That was such a great time. Oh man. my god, it was so, so good. people there. Yeah, I can't believe great. that was over a year ago. <clears throat> I know. I know. I know. It's nuts. It was over a year ago. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was the start of July or mid-July. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, welcome to the In General Podcast. Um, i got to get this in first. We've opened the Jurassic Outpost store, so head to JurassicOutpost.com forward slash store to check out some really cool merch that we're adding day by day. James McQuaid has been designing some really awesome stuff there we're also offering uh, a discount code through zavi.com or.co.uk they're selling festival collection the primal collection lots of jurassic park and uh, jurassic themed uh, jurassic world themed uh, merch and shirts and various things like that use outpost 20 you get 20 percent discount on anything you buy that's jurassic themed and if you just want to buy some stuff from zavi that isn't jurassic themed use outpost 10 you get 10 percent discount anyway um let's get into it You'll probably notice there's a theme that's now playing under us. It's like an extension of that intro theme. Uh, that was Caleb's work. We finally got together and made something. <laughs> yeah, it finally came together and it worked out great. It's been a long time so, coming. Yeah. It's a really nice piece of music. I mean, I think that was the thing. We, we wanted something new, but that intro theme was um, composed by somebody I used to work on films with, Mitchell Gibbs. And I think it just captures that intro so well, but we wanted so much more of it, and we wanted to work with you, and uh, now it's just got that, it just continues that perfect, like, Jurassic feel. Yeah. What I wanted I, to say. It was a great theme, and so it was easy to extend, and yeah, so. I, what I really like is when we started this podcast, we started our intro song with the um, Calypso theme uh, from Jurassic Park from Islands of Adventure. Yeah. And what's fun about this uh, new extension is some of the musical style of it, I feel like, almost pays homage to that. So it almost feels like a natural, like, it's something new, yet it really feels like it has ties to that. And I think that's sort of a fun way of tying it together. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Caleb, it's a really nice piece of work. I mean, we 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 use some of your music in uh, the Shelley Johnson interview. That was such a perfect intro. It was like a dark JP3 theme. Yeah, thanks, man. Like, it worked so perfectly. I was uh, so surprised, but, like, happy about how, how well it worked. And there were lots of comments about how, how well it worked. So it was great. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, seriously, so what's your, what's your background, Caleb? You've always been composing music. Uh, so I, I grew up in music, taking piano lessons, singing, that type of thing. Um, never really writing music until like after college actually, um, was when I started, 
um, taking lessons in composing music. I got a degree in music, but didn't study composing very much. Um, and so after that is when I got into composing and uh, I started working for an advertising agency and uh, they asked me to write music for some of their commercials and radio ads. And I had never done that before, but in doing it, I realized that I loved it. So um, yeah, I decided to uh, get a master's degree in film scoring at NYU, which I just finished. And uh, hey, congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. And um, yeah, I my music and composition style is really very influenced by John Williams and Jurassic music. So uh, that's why this worked well. <laughs> so truly did, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to to notice the Jurassic influence there, at least in this. <laughs> but uh, is that something you you've always wanted to do? You always wanted to compose like. A Jurassic something you know a piece of piece of official Jurassic oh I would uh, I think like I would uh, die if I was able to like work on a Jurassic film or you know anything related to it honestly um, that would I mean my my goal is to you know work in the film industry make music but like Jurassic is the most special thing to me. So, like, if I got to work on anything related to it in an official capacity, I would just like, you know, I could hang, I could hang up the hat. It would be good. So, yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I get. I think there's so many people that share that. You know, it's not just it's it's not just being a fan. It's everything. It's like it's, it's something you've always wanted since you were a kid. I think it's yeah. Well, you I know, what's... a lot of us share that. What's cool is there's so many more opportunities now as well that uh, keep budding up when you have things like Battle at Big Rock, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, uh, or things like the motion comics, video games, and whatnot. The the outlets to explore Jurassic in an official capacity have just um, absolutely expanded. And that's sort of exciting because then you can start to introduce not only new players but new styles and uh, really like see everything grow in the process. Oh, yeah. Well, and um, for someone like me, I'm... You know, regardless of the reception of the newer Jurassic stuff, like I'm just so happy that it's continuing and so many things are happening because it still gives gives me more time to possibly get to work on something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. The opportunities really seem to uh, be on an upward path, and hopefully, hopefully, they will just continue to be potentially endless. Yeah. Chris, world building this franchise. <laughs> it's gone global. <laughs> How Jurassic many more movies universe. do you think they could do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> How many movies? Like a blue spin-off. I think yeah. that if things seem like they're going at a weird pace, like they're, they're going too far forward too quickly, and they need to do something different in the franchise, I think that they'll probably look into either the era of when the park was open, like a prequel series of making Jurassic World, um, or something that maybe takes place before Jurassic Park or sort of the in-between periods. Um, and I think that doing like one or two standoff films like that could probably give people enough time to accept whatever happens in the future. But yeah, I mean, as long as they don't start absolute bomb, absolutely bombing or something, yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of films that could potentially be in the future for Jurassic. And personally, I, hope... I think there is a lot of opportunity. Oh yeah, I, I hope that like, you know something i've said is i hope that maybe instead of at, at a certain point instead of going forward i hope they go sideways like let's go talk about 
what was happening in a different part of the world during this story we've already seen like you know as open as dominion is going to make the world of dinosaurs like there are going to be so many stories that are happening at the same time we're just focusing on one probably yeah so oh absolutely and with you know the recent casting announcement of uh lewis donson returning and biosyn being in the film we haven't seen where that film goes, so we I don't know if there is a story there, but I imagine from Dotson's time in 1993 to Dotson's time now, there's probably a story with Biosyn that could even be explored, you know, something that happens in parallel to some of the things that, you, um, that have already happened, like you said. Oh, yeah. Well, it would be interesting to see where Camp Cretaceous goes with that as well, being that it's set at the same time as Jurassic <clears throat> World. Although it's a summer camp, right? I never... <laughs> it's supposed to be a summer camp. Jurassic World set <laughs> Right, yeah. It's well, it's. I guess calling it a summer camp, it's probably an exaggeration because it's probably open they year are round. Demo guests, yeah, and they it is like, year round. So maybe, yeah, maybe they're like prototyping it, and up for the upcoming summer that's like in a few months. And this oh, is yeah, like maybe, and then that summer camp would be opening alongside like the Indominus Rex and everything like that. Should things not have gone south, I think all the expansions are supposed to open that summer. If I recall correctly, from the Mizrani Global site. Oh, maybe it certainly yeah. was a lot of world building, but yeah, I think that's just one of the many stories. I mean, personally, for me, going back to the the years between, well, the years even before Jurassic Park, the years between Jurassic Park and Lost World, and then everything that happened after the Lost World. You know, after San Diego, because that kind of woke people up to what was actually happening. There's stories there. There's stories of what you know, Hurricane Clarissa. There's things that. I'd love to see about the original dinosaurs as well. And then everything after 2001. Like, what happened mm-hmm. after the best, like, movie in the franchise no. in 2001? <laughs> you know, what happened after that? <laughs> I have to know Let's now. talk about that, Scott. Let's I talk must about, know. Let's talk about Don Davis. Yes, Don Davis. <laughs> so, from your perspective, Caleb, like, coming after two excellent John Williams scores, how do you think it held up? Uh... Something I say a lot about the Jurassic Park 3 score is that it it gave its best effort to, like, do what had been done before and didn't do that much new as far as musical material. There, I mean, as far as the released score goes, there's some other extra stuff on the expanded score, but as far as the released score goes... So much of that is like just John Williams material and it's credited to him and it's like, okay, Don Davis did a few of these, but like, um, the John Williams presence is very heavy and which, um, that's, that's fine. Um, but the reason I like, you know, the scores after that by Giacchino for Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom is that they don't do what Jurassic Park 3 did and they bring in a bunch of new material. Um, so yeah, I, um, and I guess the, (laughs) the last thing I would say is that there's value to both. There's value to, you know, doing what John Williams did and, you know, invoking nostalgia. And there's also value to not doing what John Williams did and bringing something new. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, interestingly, yeah, I've never loved the uh, Jurassic Park 3 soundtrack. I, fi- I've, I guess I find it largely forgettable, but that might ha- also have a lot to do with the film. But uh, yeah, I mean, the music's good. It's well done. 
just like Jurassic Park 3, it had, you know, someone talented working on it or lots of talented people working on it, but it's about yeah. it. It's about in line with the rest of the movie. It kind of feels rushed and undercooked um, and not really living up to its potential. Yeah, and I guess, like, a lot of that would come down to, uh, at the end of it, like, what what did he really have to work with when he was trying to compose mm-hmm. those True, and true. Obviously, fill in the shoes of John Williams coming after those two movies. It's the same for Joe Johnston, you know, coming after trying to... I mean, Joe Johnston was an established great filmmaker himself, but following Spielberg is like... I mean, that would scare anybody, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, I love Joe Johnston's films, and it, but it, it, it's like you said, it's just as hard for Don Davis following John Williams. It's, it's just like following Steven Spielberg. Um, yeah. And like Chris, you you said the word undercooked, and like I think that is a a good word. It sounds bad, but it's not necessarily um, from a musical perspective on Jurassic Park three. Like um, the the one the composer's different, but like two um, in the film scoring world, there's something called an orchestrator, um, and that and that person was different too, which is why. You know, it's it sounds like John Williams, but not quite. It it feels flat to me for a lack like it lacks like a certain amount of popping texture, um, and for everything to kind of play against one another, everything sort of feels a little bit more unified, a little flatter, a little more sterile, I guess. Sure, I um, just to explain what I just said, like the the reason you like immediately recognize that a piece of music is by John Williams is because like it's orchestrated a certain way and it's done that way every time. And like Jurassic park three sounds different because it is just not orchestrated the same way. And the instruments are a little bit different and things are written a little, just slightly differently to where it's it. You can tell, but yeah, I'm, I'm a uh, music babbling. So I apologize. <laughs> no, that makes sense. No, no, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that. So it's it's a lot about like technique as well and like the kind of almost down to the instruments that is chosen to be there. Yeah, so like John Williams orchestrator on Jurassic Park and The Lost World, his name is Conrad Pope. And he's well known in the film music world. He's a conductor and an orchestrator who does a great job. Um and so obviously he wasn't present for the third film and another orchestrator i don't i don't know who don davis's orchestrator was for that but um another orchestrator came in and sort of um you know chose different harmonies different ways to write for instruments um that still got that john williams feel but are still slightly different and so would it also be things like what instruments sort of are feel more powerful in the mixing or things feel like a little bit more unified because oh yeah i it's mixing the audio level i i would yeah i would say mixing has is a factor in that too probably um you know the there's a reason that the jurassic park and lost world scores have have gotten re-releases with with remasters um, you know, the recording technology wasn't quite as good as it was maybe in 2001 or later. Um, and so that, you know, that's another reason probably why the score in 2001 sounds different than even 1997. So I was going to say that's really just all super fascinating to know, like some of the more technical specifications of how this all works. Like, it's 
there's so many elements at play. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, being in the room when a film score is being recorded, believe it or not, I mean, it, it's going to sound incredible there in the room with the orchestra, but when it's mixed and mastered and put in the film, it sounds one, I mean, very different and, you know, a lot better because it's, it has reverb put on it. It has all kinds of EQ and all kinds of other things that are making every instrument sound perfect and exactly how the director and the composer and the producers want it to sound. And so, I mean, you know, that's, that's another thing about Jurassic Park three, the, the Joe Johnston probably had a different idea in his mind maybe of how the music should sound than than steven spielberg so so there's a lot that goes into it like what you're actually going to end up hearing um rather than just the themes that's been written that's fast that is actually fascinating definitely more about that process could you imagine being in the room when they were conducting you know malcolm's <laughs> journey or something like oh, that? oh my gosh oh that would have been epic Oh, oh man. man, let's talk about the Lost World score. Kayla, we, we talked about this a little bit at the wedding, but which one's your favorite of the two, if you have one? Yeah, we did talk about it a little bit at the, at the wedding. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if, uh, if Jurassic Park score is a 100, then the Lost World score is like a 99.9. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's, I mean... And the reason, the really the only reason I lean towards Jurassic Park being my favorite by like 0.1% is because it's it's just really special to me and it's iconic. Um, you know, anyone hears those themes, whether they've seen, I mean, even if they haven't seen the film almost, they're going to, they might even know it then. Like people know the music. Um, it's yeah, just... absolutely absolutely iconic and then it's uh it's also hard because the lost world is such a wildly different score than jurassic park um it's it's much more tribal and like much more jungle-esque and with different you know south american instruments and different things like that and so it's they're each their own animal, so. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it personally, I think it would be really hard to compare the two. I just they both there's so many themes, but I think overall, it's got to be Malcolm's Journey. I think it's the favorite piece of music I have that's in this franchise. Every oh yeah, time I hear it. It's just so epic. It's well, so and big. <laughs> when you and I were talking at the wedding, I remember telling you this that um my my favorite cue like my favorite track from either of those soundtracks is visitor at san diego um yeah (laughs) because i mean there is just between the two scores like it's completely unique it's just like organized musical chaos you have the jurassic park theme the class or the main classic jurassic park theme in a minor tonality it which i mean i can <laughs> i can go into the uh music explanation of what that means if we need to but um suffice to say it's it's just such a unique piece of music and it's just absolute chaos so true yeah honestly i think the lost world has some of john williams uh probably some of his most underappreciated music out there like the people that listen to it love it i don't really know people that do not like it but just a lot of people don't know about it because it's 
sitting in this weird sequel territory in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, I think it has some of his best music out there. Just like, uh, this might be controversial, but I really love his uh, Prisoner of Azkaban soundtrack. Oh, definitely. Well, and there's a another score by John Williams that people don't know, um, The Witches of Eastwick, which is also just whimsical and great. Um, and so I think, you know... Witches of Eastwick, The Lost World, and I mean, Prisoner of Azkaban is a little more well known, but like, yeah, but it's but like I those, think some of its themes three. that are that are unique. I like I think that some of the Prisoner of Azkaban unique themes are better than like Hedwig's theme, um, in theory. Oh yeah, but it you just don't know it as well because it's not the it's not the establishing theme that you first got introduced to Harry Potter and does not it's not the theme of the series. True. But, um, um, and this this is a Jurassic Park podcast, but um, I'll say uh, he, or, uh, Bugbeak's flight from Prisoner of Azkaban. Yep, underrated underrated cue. It's incredible. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so before we, I, I guess before we talk about like the Jurassic World theme and things like that, um, the, we could talk about like the video game music that was in between because that kind of gave us a taste of what um, I'm going to say it wrong now. <laughs> we're talking about Chiquino. Chiquino. Giacchino. Um, <laughs> oh, <Jack. laughs> uh, but his um, his his early work with the Jurassic franchise uh, is, I mean, the Lost World PlayStation score, the PSX game. Oh, it's I fantastic! It's so good. Um, it. I mean, that game is great, but the score, <clears throat> the music, it's it's brilliant. Totally. Um, yeah. So he did that on Warpath, right? Yeah, I guess, uh, he didn't do he didn't do Trespasser, right? No, he did Warpath. No. Well, yeah, Warpath and okay. the play, like the one that the PlayStation game that was just called The Lost World. Oh yeah. Um, the side scroller. <laughs> you know, it's funny is I never played those. I mean, I I have played them. Obviously, Jack, you and I played the Lost World game. Um, in yeah, we played that in, in London. London. Yeah, um, just <laughs> and did hot sauce challenge or something. Yeah, the whole that whole situation. Like we're just playing a Lost World in London at your like friend's place, and someone that I met was there. The whole thing was weird. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, that was that was like my introduction to the game, and and this uh, I had visited the score after Chikino. You know, obviously, I was very familiar with Chikino's work. But um, I wasn't familiar familiar with the Lost World score, so when people were raving about it, I went and checked it out online, and I thought it was okay. <sighs> oh, Chris, that's how uh, <laughs> that's how Michael Giacchino met Steven Spielberg. That was the first time they connected was for that video game. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and like, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, what I was gonna say is. That score is Sorry. still available on uh, CD in CD form on Amazon. So, <laughs> go get it. It Dude, really is. I, I must really? have that somewhere. I swear I would have bought. That. Yeah, I have it. It's on my shelf here. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I did not know. I did not know it ever had like official releases. No, I should pick one up. Um, to be clear, like I didn't think it was bad. I just I'm very familiar with a lot of Jakino's work, so I was really excited to hear it because I love so much of his work. So when I listen to him, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, video game music. It's not necessarily, like, what I imagined Giacchino doing video game music would have been, but it was still good. It's, it's yeah. quite early for him, though. I mean, like, yeah, you've got to think, after Lost mm-hmm. World and Warpath, he then did the entire score of Lost, Lost which was 
just incredible. Uh, well, and, and a hell of a lot in between. Now and Lost is so different than the Lost World of Warpath. It's completely different. So it's so different. Yeah. I mean, it's proper cinematic and just big and uh, creepy. And the Lost, honestly, Lost is is one of those shows that without the music. It really wouldn't have been so impactful. The music was such an important part. I and want J.J. Abrams and Michael Giacchino to work together on a Jurassic project. <laughs> Don't. That used to be oh, a dream, Oh, that man. would be great. J.J. Abrams on a Jurassic. He, he, he was... What happened with that, right? So there was always... M. Night Shyamalan was going to be the Spielberg of the future, right? And that didn't happen. And then everybody said J.J. Abrams. Do you remember when J.J. Abrams was getting big and Cloverfield was happening and things like that? And everyone was like, it's the next Spielberg. To be, that didn't happen. Well, to be fair, I think he didn't he tie himself onto Star Trek and that just didn't blow up. Um, and then he did like Super 8, which was good, um, but it didn't really blow up. It wasn't like astounding, but it was good. I think that it was just sort of some of his projects. I'll be very curious to see like what he's going to end up doing now that he's done with Star Trek, done with Star Wars. Um <clears throat> Uh, like what will happen yeah yeah super eight another example of oh, great giacchino yeah mm-hmm. um one of the super eight has a really nice score actually yeah it's a good movie i gotta revisit that yeah i haven't seen it in a while i'm curious i really i did enjoy it i didn't think it was like the best movie ever but i really liked it i'm curious like how how it holds up what i would think if i saw it now because you know that was one of the movies that had such a great viral campaign mm-hmm. that it made that it just was it was it's jj abrams right it's the secret box the mystery box mm-hmm. it just played with that so well yeah he really does play with that concept really well and he oftentimes incorporates that into marketing and uh make yeah, he I makes the marketing a story of itself so it's more of like a game you know uh a market you know re- what are they args yeah augmented yeah. reality games i think yeah they had they mm-hmm. definitely had that for um so did giacchino this is to, total tangent but did giacchino do oh fuck's sake giacchino <laughs> did he do um <laughs> did he do he did war for the planet of the apes but did he do that earlier <clears throat> he didn't did do, he do he didn't do rise of the planet of the apes but he did dawn and war that's right that's right those dawn is the best one those scores are excellent they are so those good. movies are excellent. Yes, and those yeah, films are. are absolutely really, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, they are a quality that I would love sci-fi blockbusters to aspire to. Like, mo- well, well, hang on. This this is what bothers me, and I know that you. you I know what you're going to say, Chris, but the writers of those three movies wrote the first <laughs> script for Jurassic. I know. World. Yeah, Rick Jeff and, and Amanda Silver. Jurassic World could have been Rise of the Planet <laughs> of the Apes level quality. Who knows? It could have been. It probably, I, I, you know, they're really, really good writers. I think when they were on board, though, um, it was before some of the, uh, before Colin came in and said, like, let's not have, like, militarized raptors really be a thing of, like, reality. Um, So, like, the problem is, is, you know, they they have a, they're really good at writing set pieces. They're really good at writing, you know, sci-fi and fiction and characters. But the story within it would have probably been, 10 times more absurd and just I, I don't think it would have worked um, but I, I do I do think right that they could write on Jurassic I do think that they could write on Jurassic just fine um, if they yeah, weren't yeah. like at this point, if they weren't pigeonholed to like that type of story I just want to know what their version of Jurassic Park 4 would have been even if it was influenced heavily by all those crazy ideas 
Like basically, it would have been John Sells version two, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was, but it did have the open park. It did have what eventually became the Indominus Rex. It had like a lot yeah. of the same things, but it was just from what we know about it, it sounded like it was more in line with Jurassic than maybe the script that we got. No, 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 no. So like this, the plot, no, not at all. Maybe no, not the, the, the plot, tone, just the way they handle it, like the the way they'd handle the hybrid kind of dinosaur thing was supposed to be a a new species, right, that had been dug up and the, it was all See, about I don't like espionage that. and somebody <laughs> stealing stuff from the original park. It's kind of, it was, although it was kind of going down the Nedry route again, wasn't it? Was it? Like corporate sabotage. Yeah, I swear it was something <clears throat> to do with that, like somebody wanted the specimen of that new... Oh, yeah, is that yeah, how I've it broke that. out or something? Like I've someone was screwing that. around and then, yeah, um, that was the Malosaurus, which then became the Diabolus Rex and then the Indominus Rex. True. Um, Diabolus Rex changed continuing I think, because down, there was like a Satanist. <laughs> um, continuing down that uh, tangent, like uh, Matt Reeves, someone I would love to direct a Jurassic Project. Like, uh, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, he's uh he's on the Batman, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I'll be very curious to see what he does with uh Batman. Um, I found um. <clears throat> I found Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That was Matt Reeves, right? Yes. I found that one was my favorite of the three, but that, it feels so The Lost World because it, it's obviously a continuation of the first Rise, mm-hmm. but it's it's got its own complete field, but it's it's Redwoods, it's this mystery, it's True. like jungle, dark. It's It just feels so Lost World to me, everything that happens in it. It uh, like goes down the same kind of vibe. Well, that's what I was going to say is Matt Reeves does dark so well. Mm. My gosh, yeah. and that I—that's I think you know if I'm someone who really enjoys both Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, but if there's anything that's that's missing from them that I wish there was more of, it's the just brutal darkness of Jurassic Park and the Lost World that's not as present in the newer films. And Matt Matt right, Reeves could do you. that. It's not even about like going down a horror route. It's just. Look at look at the other. Like, I know Wolf of the Planet of the Apes is a twelve A, right? But like, why can't Jurassic be there? I yeah, and I just was need there. the. It was totally there. If Jurassic Park was released today, it would be a twelve A, hundred percent. See, I, it would still be PG thirteen in the states, so I don't really know. If it was Spielberg, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Oh, okay, yeah. That, sorry, I'm looking on IMDb. So we have PG, and then we have twelve A, which is like, you can be twelve. I think it means if you, you can be twelve or under if you're with an adult. Oh, okay. And then you've got twelve, which is twelve up or something like that. But so was know, Jurassic Park. What was Jurassic Park rated in? Um... It was a PG. I'm saying if it wasn't Spielberg, it would never have been a PG. It wouldn't be a PG now. Oh yeah, no, it would definitely be a higher Jurassic Park. That's crazy that it got PG. It's PG well, thirteen here. They've retroactively. I mean, was it PG thirteen in ninety three, or did they retroactively do that? No, I think it's always been PG thirteen. But okay. What's War for the Planet of the Apes? I think, are? but I could be wrong there. I mean, it's before my time, so. War, yeah, War for the Planet of the Apes was PG thirteen here. There you go, man. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, right as well. Same also, thing. I mean, also PG thirteen, and I and what I mean. Yeah, look how dark that movie is. Right. What I mean by what I everything I just said is that I just like. It sounds weird, but like the the brutality is something that I enjoy. <laughs> so it's missing, dude. It's these are dinosaurs. But we're, it's you know what's in there. It's there. It just feels different, and it's not in the same focus as it is in Jurassic Park and the Lost World. 
Well, it doesn't feel like a threat. Jurassic anyway. Park and The Lost World are both movies with, you know, people bring this up, hey, they are filled with jokes. And yeah, it's true. It's But it's about the tonality of it all. And the movies take themselves seriously and they try to behave by the real world. And they, yeah, the and they avoid made, too made many fun. gags. And for the most part, they try not to break up tense scenes with too ma- too many jokes too often. It definitely happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the films. I mean, look in The Lost right. World when they uh, try to order cheeseburgers or whatnot when they're hanging off the trailer. Like, it, it's absolutely present, but it's just all about, like, sort of the execution and those That's kind movies. Of human, isn't it? Yeah. Those, yeah, no. That kind of. Breaking yeah. levity. It's good writing, is what it is. Breaking it's levity in those situations is a natural thing for some people to do. <clears throat> it's all about what character leads it, how it plays out, things along those lines. It's complex, and everyone's going to have their own takeaway because it's also subjective. Um, but that said, I think objectively, Jurassic Park and The Lost World took themselves a little more seriously. It just felt a little darker. But you know what? Jurassic Park's a fun movie, is the thing. is It manages to both feel serious and tense, but also adventurous. It's a summer adventure, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, and I think that Jurassic Park is just magnificent for that, because it's able to pull off all these things, but take itself seriously the entire time. It's hard to say, oh, this is a funny scene in Jurassic Park rather than it's a very human scene that you're able to derive like humor from, but not necessarily humor being like the point. Right, yeah. and that and that speaks to the fact that like these films are are a product of the culture that they were made in. Like '90s cinema culture is so 180 different from what it is now as far as how people write things how people direct things everything like that and like i don't know that's something i you know when people say that world and fallen kingdom are different it's like yeah they are it's because they were made in 2015 and 2018 not 1992 yeah but part of it is the studio is a lot more involved now like that's not subjective that's not that's not speculation the studio is more involved now they did not expect jurassic world to be the breakout hit that they thought it was going to be in fact in the leading up to production the budget kept getting slashed before they finally got a little bit of a boost up to 150 um but yeah no it was a risk the studio saw it as a risk so they wanted to play it safe they wanted to appeal to a younger audience and they wanted to appeal to more of the kind of summer blockbuster crowd not necessarily letting it be a Jurassic Park movie, but kind of play it closer to a formula. Um, and it was basic, basically Colin's job to come in and navigate these big studio demands, resurrect <laughs> resurrect this franchise, and also try to keep it true enough to Jurassic Park. I think that continuity-wise, it feels true enough to Jurassic Park. I mean, Jurassic Park 3 already sort of jumped the shark tonality-wise. But I'm not... That said... I wish it would have played it closer to Jurassic Park, and I think it could have. We saw people lined up to see this movie, and it would have blown up. And I think that the trajectory for the sequels is if they would have just let it be a little more like Jurassic Park, is we would have seen more confidence of letting the sequels be a little bit more serious as well. It's not that Fallen Kingdom isn't serious. It's kind of, you know, it's quite grim, but in like a comic book way, I guess. It's very. It's, yeah, it's certainly shot nicely, and it's shot more in line with Lost. It just World doesn't feel like more. It doesn't feel line. realistic. I guess it's like very that's, grim that's and dark, that, but it feels. Yeah, I don't know. That's something that like that's a reason I love Fallen Kingdom, um, which is an unpopular opinion. But like I, you know, when I saw Wheatley's death in the theater for the first time, <sighs> I was like fuck yeah dude getting his arm ripped off like this is oh awesome. yeah like yeah and apologies if 
can't swear on this podcast. Um, but uh, oh, you can swear where you want, man. I mean, we we try to we do have kids that listen, so we do try to remember not to, but we also don't ban it. We maybe we should revisit that role. I don't know, but for right now, <laughs> fuck yeah, we'll take a look. But fuck it for now. <laughs> anyway, I mean, that was Wheatley's death was like the shocking, you know, violence that I love about this franchise, and I, you know. I would not complain about having more very grim things like that. <laughs> so, oh, uh, absolutely no. That's that scene I love. That scene felt very Jurassic Park. It was quite shocking, but in a good way. Um, and they showed just the right amount. You just saw just enough, like seeing the arm actually, like him pop down, and then it swallow the arm is really cool. And I've told this story a thousand times, but when I saw the um, when I saw uh, Fallen Kingdom, it wasn't the first time. It was here in Pittsburgh at the. Um, like the Omnimax at the Science Center, the theater there, um, or the IMAX. Um, it they there was a little girl that screamed when his arm uh, got bitten <laughs> off, and I don't mean scream like a tiny shock. I'm talking like a blood curdling, four second long scream. Like that scene, that man. scene just hey, absolutely hey, that horrified means, her. That means they're doing something but, right. They got the little girl, to but scream. she didn't cry. She didn't cry. She didn't leave the theater. She didn't avert her eyes from the it's screen. She was there for the this entire yeah. She was there for the entire time. Closed out the movie or anything like that. And I'm like, man, she is going to remember that scene the rest of her life, and probably in a good way. And also for <laughs> all the other kids in that theater, remembering that it was so scary that someone screamed. Oh yeah, no, you know that that's the right thing because when you're a kid, that kind of scares you, but it just invokes your imagination more often than not. Yeah. you're not gonna have probably won't have nightmares from it. I feel like dinosaurs <laughs> don't give nightmares as much as like ghostly. Well, <laughs> as a kid, like, as a kid watching movies like that, like, I, I mean, just from personal experience, like, kids don't know that that's not real, so like, they're even more scared of it. Like, when I was a kid watching the Raptors in the kitchen, that used to terrify me, like, legit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I've seen it a, a thousand times now, and so it's not as much, but like, yeah. So. There's a line to tiptoe there, just as far as like old films versus sequels goes. It's like you yeah. you bring the kids in and you don't you know show people's heads getting blown off, but like mm-hmm. you also have like exactly what you don't want to do. You don't want to uh, have bodily horror or something that's very real. It doesn't matter what happened to the person. You don't want to see something that is so real world that it's just ingrained in someone's mind as something horrifying what's nice about wheatley's death is there what like you know his arm popped off but there wasn't like blood and guts you know blood spilling everywhere with it it was just the right amount where it worked it's believable yet it's also not going to ingrain some horrific imagery that could you know reflect real world trauma trauma someone yeah Yeah. no i mean and i think that's a good line to tread but i do think these movies should you know do that more often it's it's an overall tone and feeling, I think. Um, yeah, but we're kind of we're getting off track a little bit from the scores. Themselves, <laughs> yeah, you know? but um, there was. Am I right in thinking there was a Lost World motif in the Jurassic World score somewhere towards the end? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when Blue charges on Main Street, <laughs> in makes no sense. <laughs> it you hear the ba 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 ba. It's a variation That's on the it. Lost World theme. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I, I chalk that up to the fact that Jakino did the Lost World video game, and he wanted to throw that in there with the Raptor. But like, you I, know, it doesn't. 
it, as far as like musical associations go, it doesn't make that much sense, but I still think it's really cool. <laughs> so. I th- it would have probably worked better if he would have done it when the T-Rex came out. Like that, boom, boom. And then like maybe when she busts through the uh, Rex skeleton, maybe they could have, I mean the spinal skeleton, they maybe could have played with that there. I feel like that would have felt a little more natural at least. Callbacks True. to Sorna, callbacks to Rex. Um, just I like, seen blue. Especially because the, I like the Paddock what, 9 as oh, well yeah. was kind of Sorna, wasn't it? It was Redwoods yeah. in, in there. True. They made it out like it was that. I like what Giacchino did like for that moment, but like mm-hmm. if they would have done like the lo- some sort of Lost World theme or some Jurassic Park theme over that moment, it just would have had him <clears throat> the more just... I mean, my emotion in that scene was excitement. The first time I saw it, it was like, holy cow, this is this is happening. And so it's like a Jurassic Park theme or a Lost World theme there may have given it more of that like Jurassic adventure feel, which would have been really fun. Um, but what Giacchino did sure. gave it like this this epic Jurassic World thing, which which I think also works and I enjoy it. But yeah, there's an argument for both. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah. instrumentally, it, it really blends with everything else we're hearing. Um, True. Um, and I feel like that theme lends itself to those instruments, obviously. So that sort of makes sense at that point. It's just when you come with, kind of think of like what that theme represents, you know, within the fiction and just sort of stylistically, I'm not sure it actually fits in that moment if mm-hmm. you really want to chop down what that theme represented in the past. But I mean, <laughs> hey, it was what he used it for and it, it does work. Well, um, it and does. This gets... It does feel like a little bit like a tease, though, when it goes bum bum, and it doesn't like really pay off. That always like that left me hanging, wanting like I'm like, but when's it gonna finish? True. <laughs> I so like so what what you're referring to, Chris, I think is when Rexy comes out of Paddock Nine, and there's like a little musical variation on the Jurassic mm-hmm. Park theme. I, yeah. yeah, it's like bum 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 ba da da. It's like a weird thing. Yeah. Um, um, oh, that's yeah. Uh, I, and they do the same thing with the Lost World theme, where it's like it, it's like it kind of tapers off at the end. It doesn't really it's like stuff building. To yeah. It and, yeah, it's a very yeah, it like is a variation on it, and like it's a weird musical thing. I think it you know it has the danger of throwing people off, um, but I th- uh, just like knowing Jakino's philosophy there, which was like let's what he was trying to do was like pay homage to these old things but like not be direct about it and so like i appreciate that aspect but like i also I, get that it thro- it does throw people off so it it throws me off musically and he did the same thing with star wars rogue <laughs> one um right when you think the title card's gonna come on and it's, uh, it's about exactly to sound star wars and then it just sounds like knockoff star wars and it doesn't seem like it, it seems like it's a knockoff star wars theme for like a <laughs> podcast that couldn't like license the real music so they used it it doesn't seem right like that very that's the only moment i can think of in the rogue one soundtrack that doesn't seem right but he gets so close to that title card star wars music the main theme and then just completely goes and just sort of sounds like <laughs> just a, an orchestra deflating and i'm like I, uh, and rem- it, he did the same trick there when the, the in jurassic world and i didn't like it in any of those instances i you know i personally I, I i love it but like i do understand like the effect it has on people because when you've watched watch these star wars for 40 years or jurassic for 30 and then you hear this music you already know but it's just like off or it's slightly different it's like what i think that's kind of what i struggled with with um 
the Jurassic World score itself. I was so pumped for it. I, you know, I'd just been a huge fan of um, Chikino since since Lost, and then you know, hearing his earlier work, and then the new Jurassic World. Finally, we're getting Jurassic Park four, and the score was just. I don't know. It just didn't hit me. I, it, it just wasn't impactful. So I felt like it lacked just percussion. Didn't feel anything from it? Yeah, it lacked any real. I didn't even know how to describe it. It just didn't seem impactful enough. I do. And then it was like like what you just described. How it, it seems like it's a homage, sure, but it feels like almost like a knockoff or like What's... something that isn't official. I kind of I... got that vibe from the Jurassic World score. It just didn't seem. Every time it used the Jurassic Park theme, it seemed off. Um, well, I liked it. Too. I liked Jakina's own theme. Uh, I think it's as the Jurassic World tur- turns. Is that what the initial introduction to his like themes uh, that also play like the Gyrosphere Valley and whatnot? Yeah, the as the Jurassic World turns introduces a lot of themes. It introduces yeah. Claire's theme and the Jurassic World theme and some other things. Yeah, I I love that little you know dun 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 oh yeah uh, and like how you know battle big rock plays that in a really cute way where you see the little baby nasuchaceratops um yes that's perfect that, that's amazing that theme <laughs> i love and i'd like to hear more of it because i feel like believe it or not like jacchino himself hasn't really like allowed that theme to breathe to its fullest potential um but yeah i really like that theme some of the other music i think is good sometimes i think there's too much music it doesn't stop it's always kind of playful also and never it lacks sort of a sense of seriousness and it just never is not plain. I get you. I, I mean, personally, I, I, I love both of the scores, but like, it's important to say that like, you know, Giacchino's his own thing and John Williams is his own thing. And they're, they're so different. And I think, you know, a reason I, res- a, a reason I like, the newer scores is just because they as a principle chose to break new ground and do something different um but uh, what i was gonna say though as far as like you know themes being where they are in certain moments and the way they sound and things like that something just like to consider is like after jacchino writes this maybe he has you know these scenes before you know, in the editing process, post-production, all that, and he's, excuse me, he's scoring to them. So what he writes for these scenes is probably close-ish to what you hear in the film. You know, he writes these things, mm-hmm. they get recorded by an orchestra, they get mixed, and then, you know, post-production, they start getting put in the film, and, you know, there's another role, you know, I, I talked about the orchestrator, another role in the film music world is the music editor and so you know these things that Jakino writes and they get recorded um and then most of the time they get cut up and rearranged and are way different than what was written and that's the music editor who does that so that Mm -hmm. it it works um you know at least initially in the director and the composer's eyes it it works perfectly with what the what they wanted and what they envisioned with the film so Mm -hmm. like the the cues you know the musical cues on main street there at the end and other places in the film like they're they sound like they do in the film on the soundtrack but they i guarantee you they didn't sound exactly like that or in that order when jacchino wrote them and so well this the entire scoring sessions i think is pretty well known like the entire scoring sessions have leaked for um jurassic world and i believe fallen kingdom as well 
and I'm sure you have that, right? I mean, I do. Yeah, I've seen them. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's. It's weird how they're just so. I don't know why they're always out there, but yeah, no, there's some really, it's really interesting to hear some of the alternative arrangements, um, from the scoring sessions themselves rather than the final oh, mix yeah. yeah, and seeing how, <laughs> how it was, you know, played around with, but I love the, the textural rawness of them. Chikino, like his loss score is just so memorable mm-hmm. and so epic. And it feels like a cinematic movie score. It's some, it's his best work in my opinion. And, um, I don't know. Well, I just feel like it was Jurassic World was just half baked. Like it just wasn't a Giacchino score. It was like him just mimicking mm. something. Oh, I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't hit it like his other scores do. I. It didn't feel like. I understand what uh, you mean. Something that he put a lot of time into. Yeah. I won't lie. I've found Giacchino's writing a little more derivative and a little less interesting as time's gone on. Um, I think that well we do that's why we used to talk about this yes yeah. how, he, how he seems to but, have like three main movies a year he seems to it's... write a lot of work um but my problem is i was gonna say he's like a busy way... guy <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah maybe that's part of the part of the issue like i feel I a lot of his themes feel like they're written with a too much simplicity always where it's like they're almost always written as tiny little motifs <laughs> on like a piano or something um like in that he doesn't necessarily write the themes with the instruments in mind. That's just sort of discovered later on in the process. And because of that, you don't have as much wide range of texture and maybe conflict like music that plays against one another in different ways. And it just sort of lacks that back and forth punch that you can get with like, if you write, and I'm sure he does write with a full orchestra in mind, but a lot of his main themes just sort of feel like they evolved from like a little piano tinkering. And I know that's pretty common, but it almost feels like it's a, a solid root that kind of plays through the complexity or the lack of within the music. Yeah. And like it, that also speaks to, you know, the, uh, you know, we were talking about how the films are different cause they won a few were made in the nineties and a few are now being made in the second decade of the 21st century. And so like, you know, film scoring, then the, the culture and the ideas and the philosophy is, so starkly different from what it is now and um it is like you said chris it is the philosophy of film scoring is significantly simpler than it was in the 1990s um Mm -hmm. and 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 before the 90s but yeah i mean because i mean nothing against hans zimmer but like his his scores have gotten progressively simpler and less orchestral than they used to be Mm -hmm. and that's just because that's what a lot of filmmakers want that's what a lot of studios want and so like i mean i don't know if that speaks to the way giacchino writes he uh, what you were saying is is true like i i agree his his themes are simple and you know and it works a lot of the times but sometimes it feels like it's it's too much across the board and like I said, sometimes it's like a little too playful. Like, I don't quite love, like, on a soundtrack, it's uh, fine, but I don't quite love, like, the Tyranodon attack sequence um, in Jurassic World. It's very playful. It's got a Jaws-like theme and playfulness to it, but it just feels so playful. And that's sort of my general, like, a lot of the Jurassic World music just is constantly sort of this weird, playful. It's not too silly. It's not too gentle. It's kind of hectic. It's not bad it's just... either. Like I, I, I could still listen <laughs> to it and enjoy it, but I just can't listen to a Jurassic World album the same way I could, say, for example, you know, the the recent, the most recent re-release of Jurassic Park and the Lost World, the extended score. Oh. Um, 
was it La La Land that did that? Yeah, yeah. La La Land. Like, four CD thing. That was dope. But like, I had that in my car, man. I used to drive home from work and like blast, you know, through the themes. And I could just sit back and listen to those themes all day. I couldn't do that for Jurassic World. It just, it just doesn't have... Like, I could do that with a few themes. I could do that with the As the Jurassic World turns. Like those little, mo- like the Gyrosphere Valley theme. And uh, I think... I think sure, the park yeah. is closed yeah. is one of the ones like and like a lot of the ones that play with those themes I can do that with but the larger portions of the soundtrack I can't but to be fair I don't I think it's all great music but I don't always just like throw on the Jurassic Park soundtrack and just listen to it all the way through like there's very few themes that I can really enjoy listening to on their own even on William's stuff um just do Malcolm's But journey. Malcolm's journey <laughs> is definitely one of them. Well, um, I, no, I'm I'll not going to lie. The... I'll be the Giacchino defender in a way. I I understand what y'all mean. I I just really love these scores. They're special to me just as a composer. But I think they're really um, good. Like uh I lost my train of thought. But what were you going to say, Chris? I mean, I absolutely think they're very good. I think it's just sometimes the way they're incorporated into the movie is they're just a bit much. Sure. Sometimes they didn't hold back as much. Sometimes there would be scenes that I think it would work better if there just wasn't music. Uh and I feel like just it it doesn't know when to hold back. It's constantly playful, and sometimes Jurassic World's a little, like, you know, a little shinier, a little bigger, um, and the music's constantly, like, a little louder, a little more playful, but, like, a little more simple. And I don't think they complement each other. Or they do complement one another, but they just really lean into that playfulness. So with both of them on top of one another, it's like, takes it almost too far, whereas a more serious music or less of that whimsical nature could have maybe benefited just taking certain scenes more seriously like zara's death um yeah oh by the way if you lose me a thunderstorm just sort of rolling in out of nowhere so that's what it's, that's what happens it's massively storming here in new york as well so <laughs> okay i'm jealous guys i'm looking out to just clear it's a it's a sucks. time to watch the lost world <laughs> right now it is yeah seriously any storm i'm like Shit, I gotta get home, man. Lost all the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's waiting for me. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. I know what you were gonna say, Caleb. You you were gonna defend Jacino, uh, Um but he doesn't. He doesn't need defending. Like true. He, as he, seriously, like an epic. He's an amazing composer. That word today. He's an incredible composer. True. He really is. Like I have so much love for him, and every score he's done outside of Jurassic, I have so much love for. I don't know what it is. I just I just feel like almost like he rushed him. Uh, and that's that's the only issue with it. And maybe maybe he just didn't see the potential of Jurassic World when he was writing Jurassic World. Maybe he was like, eh, I don't eh, know. I think his fun. Jurassic World soundtrack sounds like a Giacchino soundtrack. Um, but maybe the thing is, is he's competing against Williams and competing against Jurassic Park. And I think for us, that maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's the that's thing, the yeah. issue. It, it, it's very it's a very Giacchino soundtrack. It really is. I don't know if I would consider it constantly to be one of his bests, um, but I do like his as the Jurassic World turns. Um, yeah, but it's I, very Giacchino. Just, he, he just it just doesn't handle certain moments very well, mm-hmm. as we've discussed before. So but, like. Again, to come back to Lost, sorry, six years of TV, six seasons. But that was its own thing. Music. He got to build that himself. With Jurassic, course, unfortunately, like, he has to have he, he has to pick up the mantle, and that's a little that's always tougher. It's always harder to yeah. find your own identity in that. And for the fans that have been there along the ride, they're always going to notice it as something different. So if y'all if y'all remember yeah, back like right before Jurassic World was released, Jakino went on a radio show. Um, and got to play a couple of like preview cues from Jurassic World. 
Um, <clears throat> and he didn't say what they were, but what they he played as the Jurassic World turns, <clears throat> and, which was fantastic. But he also played uh, Nine to Survival Job, which is like the f- the finale outro of uh, Jurassic World when Owen is like better stick together. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I love when, when that happened, I loved as the Jurassic world turns, but I, I really did not like nine to survival job. Um, and I, I don't even remember why it just didn't work for me. And so, um, but when that cue hits in the film, it works so well, like it's completely different in the film as it, than it was listening to it by itself because that's you see Isla Nublar and Rexy roars over the whole thing at the end and that's that cue and without that it doesn't it's just not as epic to use Jack's word so <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know what I've not said that word in years <laughs> guys um we can obviously come back to this but I am looking at a tweet right now from Sam Neill that you know Dr. Alan Grant himself Two days ago, saying, hold on to your hats, getting my old one back on this week and facing off dinosaurs once again. He was announcing that he's, he's, he's beginning filming again, right? Uh, he, so he's in London now with Laura Dern, Bryce Ellis Howard, Chris Pratt, Jeff Goldblum, the whole <laughs> gang. Yes. And it's pretty goddamn exciting. And today, he actually released a picture. He posted a photo of his hat. First piece of costume, right? It's a beautiful thing. That we've seen from Dominion. Yeah, that is the first piece of costume that we've seen. Uh, well... Except from all the leaks. Well, no, I mean, because Chris Pratt has posted uh, Instagram Instagram <laughs> stories in costume. True, true. Um, um, but no one cares about Chris Pratt. It's all about Sam <laughs> Neill today. This hat is... Oh, I don't know what it is. Like, people complaining about... Um, you know, it's just a hat. Don't get excited. I can understand why people got excited by this. This is cool. Oh, yeah. This is like a true like throwback to something so minor but it, it made up it, it we realize it makes up such a huge well it's his right? exactly it's his it's, his, it's yeah. his character um i'll say what i said a little while ago again as as someone who wears hats like that frequently you have you know three or four or five of them that you you rotate and you know you lose one or it gets damaged or it gets wet so like it's sure. it's probably not the same hat but it's, it's it's the Grant hat in the to be clear we're character. T- we're talking about the, his Jurassic Park three hat. It's it's the JP three style Grant hat, but it seems to be different. And as you said, logically it yes. would probably be different. But it even seems to be. It looks like the band around it is uh, thinner, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So if you compare it to an image of um, the actual hat. Actually, no. If you, so if you look at Sam Neill's original tweet, he posts a, a close-up picture of him. You can't see the entire hat, but you can see the the band that goes around it and the base of the hat. It is a different hat, and it's a different band, but it's so... The, the hat he posted is more more in line with Jurassic Park 3's hat than his original. Yeah, his original yeah. was like a straw-colored woven hat. Um, mm-hmm. Quite different, actually. I mean, they have the same silhouette, but otherwise, the materials and the colors are very different. So I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised. It's kind of neat and uh, curious that it's a JP3 style hat. Yeah, it's interesting. His his hat in Jurassic Park is a material that works really well in the rain, and he's in the rain a ton in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and but in Jurassic Park three <laughs> and this hat, I mean, they're a different material that doesn't do as well when it gets wet, and so it's interesting. 
But anyway, that's great because he didn't. He wasn't supposed to land, so he was just he was just wearing a hat for the plane. Yeah, just it, was, like... it was a plane hat. It wasn't an island hat. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, and he tweeted it with the caption "Hello, old friend," and he ta- he tagged everybody. Um, Man, that's, there's something weird about this. It's so it's so cool. It's... I think it's something people have been waiting for for a very long time. You know, to have Sam Neill return. But to see this legitimate, like this is real, uh, this kind of post, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just. Well, weird. It's, he's it's probably like... the one character with iconography in terms of his costume that you could so easily invoke the character in the right context with. True. I mean, because it, it's been a, it, it's been in every time we've seen him, he's had something like this on. So for the most part. Yeah, whereas, like, you know, Ellie Sattler, she had a very, very, very unique outfit and memorable outfit in Jurassic Park, but none of that was carried to, in which makes sense, but none of that was carried through into Jurassic Park 3. Um, and Malcolm no, Malcolm really wears black, point, but it's harder, yeah. to, it's yeah. harder <laughs> to encapsulate that with a single article of clothing. Like, you know, it doesn't have a silhouette, but Grant's hat has a silhouette. And yeah, is, it's got nothing on the hat. Yeah. It's all about the hat with him. Especially, you know, with the, they make a point of the hat at the end of Jurassic Park 3, you know, Billy saves the hat. Save your hat. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, this was this was really cool. I, I, I don't I really know what else much to say about it. I just like looking at this. The fact that it's it's 2020 and we actually, Sam Neill himself has tweeted this picture. It, it makes... It's something that I think for those, that 14 year gap where we were waiting for Jurassic Park 4, this is just one of those many things that like you wish could have happened in that time you know true all these characters saying they're returning and it makes me happy because like sam neil is is excited himself and is taking the time to post about it which is a good sign it's a really good sign in my mind so yeah 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 sam neil has a dry sense of humor and you know in the past he's kind of he's kind of talked about the Jurassic World films in his dry sense of humor way where he's like, eh, not coming back, probably dead. You know, things like that. So it just... Yeah, it, it's, uh, Where is Alan Grant now? Oh, he's, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> he's he probably dead. died. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's... They may play up to that, though. He might be a clone in this Oh, movie. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Age accelerated. He brought back Dr. Grant. Um, he may But yeah, no, again. so... Um, it's, anyway. <laughs> it's cool seeing... Yeah, it's just really cool seeing him excited. It's cool seeing him, you know, tag Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and then Bryce and Chris Pratt, um, Colin. It's just it's cool to see that this, these teams are going to be uniting. And uh, you know, we've been told countless times he's a lead character in this film. Um, yeah. He's not just a kid. yeah. Which I I will, you know, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Um, the hat is yet another main character in this film when will the castings end <laughs> and we know we know a little bit about way, the way grant will look in this movie simply because we know that he has a beard uh now yeah and we also know that jeff he's gonna look like he did you know so you know everybody always made those dress apart for teaser trailers mm-hmm. fake trailers official trailers yeah you know there was always that one movie oh it was, it was the one about was like the, the jungle, tasmanian tiger forest. right yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, he had the beard and he had the hat and it looked like Costa Rica. The Hunter? Like, was it The Hunter? Yeah, I think it was that. Yeah, something like that. W- William um, Defoe was in that? Everybody. Yeah, it was William Defoe, wasn't it? The Hunter or The Hunted? I gotta check this out. No, The Hunter, yeah. The Australian movie. 
good movie. Um, but yeah, everyone use it. He's going to look like grabbed that. clips from that. Yeah, and I think that's it's a little bit like what we're going to see. Yeah, in uh, this movie because I'm pretty sure he had a beard in that. Right? Uh, he, he did. He did. He had a beard and a hat. Um, yeah, no, he's going to probably look like that. And what's interesting is a lot of people complain that uh, Malcolm had a beard in the last movie, and uh, we've seen Jeff is on site. We've seen pictures of him. He does not have a beard now. Really? Ah, so they've sw- uh, <laughs> they've swapped out who's got the facial. Hair. Yeah. So, uh, but a beard is perfect for Grant anyhow, because as a little throwback, that's how Grant was described in the book: bearded, uh, bearded, yes. and barrel chested. I think. And plus, we've had two movies where he doesn't have a beard. I think it's time. Yeah. No, I think it I think makes sense, and I don't think we have a beard. I don't think it really conflicts too much with Grant's like character. A beard is pretty fitting for him. I think Malcolm, you know, a lot of times that clean cut, like. He was all about presentation. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I think that, uh, yeah, seeing that on Grant is a total, it makes a ton of sense. It's just, I think it's just really cool. I'll say it again. Seeing this tweet, I woke up, when was it, when was it posted, the original tweet? Uh, 11 a.m., yeah, so I was already awake. Barely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just seeing that tweet, seeing Sam Neill had just tweeted that, I was like, oh my God, this is actually... It's Grant. It's Doctor Grant's hat. Yeah, like that's something about it. It hit me, man. I was I was really pumped for the first time for this movie. Um, I got excited. I, I mean, I guess first time to be excited for like these characters returning because more than anything, I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about how they're going to be handled. I'm worried about how much screen time they're going to have. I wonder what their individual character arcs or their sort of group character arc is going to be. I really hope it's executed well, but this just got me pumped. I this just got just, me hyped. I cannot wait till we see one of the uh, uh, either Grant or Sattler in costume. I really, yeah. I'm so 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 hoping that Colin might post a tease. You know, like when what was that movie that came out just before Fallen Kingdom, and it was crap. Oh, it was the new Predator. But do you remember it had Jacob Tremblay in, right? And they posted a character shot of them all in costume. Oh together. yeah, that was a really nice little shot. That was pretty cool. Yeah, we were kind of hoping something like that for Fallen Kingdom, but that would be so cool if you posted the original three together. Even if it was like a set picture where they're in costume, but it's candid, like it's off set. Do But it's the OG three. Do you think that Owen will be wearing another vest? Owen? Owen, yeah. Do you think he'll be wearing another vest? That's sort of like Owen's version of the Grant hat. Do you think that he'll be wearing a vest in Jurassic World 3? I guess it's just not the really iconic. Uh, no, no, I that's, don't know that's why what I'm he wondering. would like. I mean, if they're out in the wilderness, maybe, but like in other scenes, maybe not. So <laughs> he just wears yeah. vests all the time. Tactical. He's tactical. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm curious. So Caleb, this hat though, this new Dominion hat, is this good in the rain on? Is this more of a plain hat too? Uh, it looks. I mean, I'm obviously not in the room with the hat, but it it looks like the material <laughs> that is similar to the shame. JP3 hat that doesn't do as well in moisture. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, at that point, do you think it's just because they wanted to pay homage to the Jurassic Park 3 hat, though? I think it's 100% JP3, right? Yeah. This has got to be... And I think it's probably stemmed from... You know, Colin's always listened, but listening to how Assis's love for Jurassic Park... It's for Assis. It's for Assis, yeah. Yes. It's just, he's, he started this whole thing, and, and you know, 
Jurassic Park 3 is just the, it's the best one of the whole trilogy so I think yeah um, but seriously yeah no it's ex- <laughs> it's exciting um, and I think uh, well they're going to Malta right yes the, they're the filming actual, in Malta the original, yeah. tri- the original trio are they're filming in like well. so I was... for four different locations I think or something like that yeah and I'm praying there's a little bit of Hawaii in there too I, I don't know how or why that would work in the script but I'd love to see them the three of them on island somewhere Same. but um, Malta right that's that's an interesting one. Do you think it's actually going to be Malta? No, probably in, not. You know, yeah. What that's what I'm thinking. It's like, going to be somewhere else. But yeah, like a, a, a you know something gone wrong or like because the, what we saw in Malta almost looks like otherworldly a little bit, right? The the specific island that they were they were going to, or was that for the intro sequence? No, I'm thinking of something completely different. Oh, are you <laughs> thinking about Sakatora? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah or how that was like a another worldly little piece of land. Yeah, um, I forget the names of the types of trees that are there, but uh, yeah, no, that's a they filmed quite a bit over there, a second unit, uh, and that's pretty cool. I guess it was like in Egypt and whatnot. Um, so yeah, no, that that looks like it would be an exciting place, and so does uh, Malta. Hold on, I just want to see where they because the film commissioner said where they'll be filming. Um, hey, if it's otherworldly location, they're just they're setting up Jurassic Universe. It's obvious. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not familiar with with these locations, and I definitely do not know how to pronounce all of them. But um, I'm gonna give it a shot. It's filming in Valletta. Um. <laughs> Vi- Wait, what is that? Vitoros Rioza. Vitoriosa. Yeah, Malaya by Google and Pembroke. Searches, these are all very similar looking little towns, little seaside. Vi- uh, Pembroke. Vi- <laughs> we have a Pembroke here. Vittoriosa. Yeah. I should know. I'm Italian. I really should know how to pronounce <laughs> things, but I do not. Uh, this looks like um, they're all like kind of towns, sit like little cities, beaches. All very cool architecture. This will be really interesting. I don't know how this will work. Like, what context what of the story, the you know, is there like... story function is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fascinating. That is sort of the thing that Collins teased about, though, is wanting to leave the islands. And um, finally... Uh, just... I lost my track of thought. Maybe um. <laughs> maybe there is uh, some sort of virus that is affecting uh, either humanity or the dinosaurs, and they have to uh, globe trot to places like Malta to try and find a cure to distribute face masks <laughs> or Ground Zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just propaganda. Um, it'll be yeah. That, no, that's a really interesting thought. They could be chasing it, or it could be chasing them. Whatever it is, like this could be a separate thing from the dinosaurs, true themselves, which are. I mean, arguably a little. I w- I'm hesitant to read into filming locations too much, even though, like, we know that you know, at the end of Fallen Kingdom, the movie franchise has, has gone global. Collins talked about wanting to go global, go to different locations. But that said, we do know that you know, f- shooting locations across the world have all taken place, you know, fictionally in one location. True. So I, I, yeah, I'm I hesitant. Just hope it doesn't turn out like the last uh, born movie where every sort of every scene was like now we're in paris now we're in london now we're in san francisco now <laughs> yeah. we're in vegas like now we're in new york yeah you know what i mean it was it was all over the place and i hope um for jurassic i hope it still is able to have that isolation feeling whatever's happening with the group of people. this is i think that's a key theme in jurassic is the feeling of 
isolation, being trapped, being in a place where it's you and them. Oh yeah, and that's it. This is a it's weird thought, like- but like maybe, maybe one of these other locations is standing in for somewhere on one of the islands we're familiar with. Oh yeah, there's a thousand countless opportunities. They might have saw a cool rock formation and said, "Sure, this looks like it would fit. It would look really nice on camera. We don't need to build something. Let's, uh, you know, we'll use the CG plate photography to make the background look like it's a different place." Right. It's like that road or that highway in uh, Utah or Arizona that's at the end of Fallen Kingdom. It's like that was a filming location on on the list, but like it was there for like five seconds so exactly or like in jurassic park you know when they're going to the amber mine or you know Mm -hmm. the dig location stuff like that like you know if you heard about those locations you'd be like oh wow are there dinosaurs running loose in those locations and meanwhile it's they film those in hawaii maybe well maybe this uh but you know if it wasn't actually dominican maybe this malta location is some sort of mine oh it could be yeah it could be because it does look a little bit more like it looks like uh, i mean you said the mine location from jurassic park and i it i instantly saw the similarities between wait what location looks like that i mean some of malta yeah some of malta oh i wasn't sure if it was one of the specific locations that the commissioner talked about oh i don't know they all i googled each three of them they all look the same okay uh there were four yeah, I couldn't get Pembroke because that just comes up with a local beach that we have here called Pembroke. <laughs> uh, fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fair enough. Pictures of that, like Caleb, you you said that you 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 enjoy Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. They're like they're they're good movies to you. Yes, I really do like them very much. So good. <laughs> and so for Dominion, are you are you <clears throat> super pumped? Are you nervous? Are you I going to take it as it comes, or what's your view? I'm obviously very excited. Um, I think that I would be significant. I'm, you know, before each of these films, just because the franchise is so special to me, I'm a little bit nervous because it's like <clears throat> this is a, an official canon entry in this story in this franchise. And am I at one? Am I gonna like it? And two, is it gonna be? good and up to the level of other things etc etc but like i think i'm maybe a little bit more nervous about this one than other things because of you know the the state of the world and the virus and everything going on and um you know it for a, a long time there it was like is Dominion going to make its release date? Are they going to move it? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And then, you know, they, they've picked filming back up and all that. And so um, I am cautiously very excited about it. I don't want them to rush. <laughs> so Yeah, I understand that. Um, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a weird period, isn't it? This whole, like, it's the first major movie to go back to work. Yeah. And the UK is having talks about extended lockdowns now or a second wave true and it's kind of like they are they've put a lot on the line to make this happen and i'm sure it's nice and safe i'm sure like universal spent a lot of money it's all going going well and from some of the few like set picture leaks we've seen you know not of showing anything but like of locations and stuff it all seems to be like pretty doable because it's they seem like They've got some wide, big locations that, to work with. Yeah. So social distancing and things like that are able to stay. I just, yeah, I hope it doesn't impact the film more than they think it's going to. Right. Well, so, I, I feel like, 
you know, you were saying Universal spent a lot of money to make sure this is safe, and I, I have no doubt about that. And I also, you know, something that quells my fears about it all is the fact that, you know, A-list, multiple A-list actors are there and are willingly participating and are saying that they feel good about it. Like, and if yes. that was not the case, like, I I really don't think that they would be acting the way that they are. Um, and so they just, I mean, Sam Neill being so, you know, excited the way that he is and everyone else posting about it and then being there with their families too, like it, I, it makes me feel a little bit better about it. Cause I, I mean, if they didn't feel safe, they wouldn't be there. So, yeah, it does make me wonder if there's a cast member that we don't know of that may have dropped out or something like that, you know, yeah, that'll be, somebody that's on the list. That'll be interesting. Um, there uh this is maybe a tangent but there there is uh, a character i hope returns who who has not been announced or cast yet so i i won't say it unless we want to talk about it but yeah well you can go ahead and say that but i won't lie the reason why i wasn't chiming in on that conversation and there's some really good uh points but have you guys seen what laura dern posted on instagram yes i just just i just i spent this time reposting it from the outpost instagram right now and i'm gonna post it on oh thanks (laughs) i was just grabbing my phone man. yeah as we were having that's why i've been quiet looking at the picture like uh, so i i have not seen this so (laughs) so check the skype chat oh oh my Oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is wow. that? Wow. I, oh my gosh, I want to cry. <laughs> That's so it is amazing. Wow. Next to each other like that. So <laughs> for so for people that are listening to this, describe what, uh, what you're looking at. Yes. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah, without me describing it, that was probably a little weird. Um, so uh, Laura Dern posted a photo with uh, chairs on the set of Jurassic World Dominion. And on the, the chair on the left, these chairs are right next to each other. The chair on the left says Dr. Ellie Sattler. And the chair on the right says Dr. Alan Grant. The, the pair of them there in what looks like a sort of uh, could, yeah, could be a... I was going to say it looks like multi, but they're not there. This is this is at Pinewood, but <laughs> it, that looks like the style of uh, terrain that you get at Malta. It yeah, it looks sort of uh, like rolling hills. It's dry, right? Dry, like, yeah, yeah, something, yeah. But it, that's just yeah, uh, interesting. You know, this could bring up another discussion about Grant and Sattler and you know what their relationship is like. But like seeing the chairs right next to each other, that's just amazing. So. That's again. Oh, they're all sharing pictures, man. Jeff Goldblum has Instagram. We need to stay uh, stay locked on that. Yeah, see if he's shared anything. His wife's Instagram is a good one to follow too. She posts some things every once in a while. Yeah, is she is she with him in London? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, she's there. She um. It's gonna take one slip up, eh? like in the background. Of oh yeah, there's already been something. something there's like... already been something deleted. It was that logo again. Yeah. That, uh... the... Oh yeah. <laughs> logo on the um, ground. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, that's where I've also seen Jeff pictures of Jeff, like in her story, where he's definitely not—he no longer has a beard. So, um, yeah, for sure, no, that's a re- that's a really cool picture. Hey, um, you got to shave your but, beard uh, if you're getting into action with dinosaurs. You know, you can have a beard for a courtroom, but 
Yeah, but after that, (laughs) it's all about maximum running velocity, and uh, beards might interfere with that. Exactly what it is. (laughs) But yeah, so yeah, no, this image is really exciting. It looks this looks like the type of location that we were introduced to the characters in in Jurassic Park, and uh, you know, see Grant at the dig site in Jurassic Park Three. Those uh, those rocks, this is hill there in the background are interesting. That's true, Chris. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It it, could it almost looks like the type of terrain you'd get in Malta if they were filming outside of the cities, um, which I might yeah. explain might be an extension of whatever this set is. And this just feels very Dr. Grant. I mean, I don't know if this is what the scene is, but I can imagine him digging up, like, a dinosaur right next to it, you know, just like old times. True. And interesting that they're both there. Now, what's going to be really funny is this is probably something completely different than what we're guessing. But, um, <laughs> it's like, meanwhile, it's, yeah, maybe- it's like a diorama, like, at Lockwood's place, and they threw the chairs in there. Complete throw off. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got a Dilophosaurus again. No, 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 it's just a diorama. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, that's just such a that's crazy to see. Um, yeah, wow, what a cool little reveal. It's, such, it's funny, man. People get people that aren't Jurassic fans are going to be listening. Well, they're not going to be listening, but they're going to if they did listen, they'd see us going crazy over a picture of a hat and a picture of two chairs. Well, it's just these characters <laughs> haven't been in these films in so long, so it's not just that. It's it's, no, it's making it real. It's the fact that it's actually happening. That their names are actually there, printed on chairs, on the set. It's cool that they got those chairs. They were filming they the names printed. That's they cool. were filming earlier today. You know what I mean? Like they've probably wrapped because it's about nine p.m. there. Um, yeah. And they're posting, so they've probably wrapped. But um, yeah, no, they were filming earlier wow. today. That's just, yeah, man, it's crazy. Woo. Yeah. Uh, so I, now we just need Colin. Exciting. We need Colin to post something. Well, we need yeah. uh, we need Jeff as well, but we really need Colin to post something. Yeah, I want. I kind of want something official though. So I guess we gotta wait for that Entertainment Weekly. Uh, yeah. Did they do that for Fallen Kingdom? Yes. It was them that did. The, they they did the first like on set pictures right from uh, Jurassic World when they were filming in. Uh, oh well, Chris, Chris did Pratt did Fallen the Kingdom Entertainment too? Weekly with like the Indoraptor animatronic and all that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Um. So we need another one of them. Well, we what we really need also though is we at this point from J. A. Bayona we had already had that image of the Lockwood set, that really nice press oh, photo. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, we because I, I just went back and looked at it when when that was done and yeah. I think it was March of twenty seventeen. Yeah, Maisie standing in name? front of what was the name we had for her then? It, it was Maisie. Lucy. Lucy, that Lucy, one, yeah. maybe the casting name or something. Like and that, it's yeah. funny because I had that wild speculation because, like, uh, I don't know why. I mean, it was just completely baseless speculation. And I was like, what if Lucy is going to be like cloned from like you know the first human or whatnot? Like, not the first human, but what they you're talking about what, the Neanderthal, Lucy, right? Yeah, yeah, Lucy, yeah. That that very significant find. I was wondering if that was paying homage in a series like that. A name Lucy showing up immediately made me think: Is she? tied to dr Wu, um i thought that she was gonna be dr Wu's daughter but in a weird way i'm assuming she sort of is being a clone Ooh, like Ooh. like not not birth i not know what by you mean DNA yeah, or anything yeah. like that but like i'm assuming dr Wu is the one that cloned her so i don't know it was still probably i was completely way off it was a complete coincidence but i still felt like when it turned out she was a clone i was like Oh, sort of. I was sort of on it. I was on something there. <laughs> well, when you s- said, "Look at what Laura Dern posted," I thought you it was something related to the character I I want to be cast. But this is even better. Uh, so, I'm assuming you're you're saying that you want um, 
Sarah back? I am saying I want Sarah Harding back. <laughs> oh, who doesn't want Sarah Harding back, man? True. That would be so. I, I, people notice. That I she, think I'd rather. You know, there's all these you casting. Take a Sarah Harding spinoff. Yeah, well, like post ninety seven. Yeah, after what happened. Lost totally. World. Uh, there's all these castings and things like you know people. It's like how are they going to fit all these people in? Like how do they tie in? But like, I really honestly feel like they could find a great reason for Sarah to be involved with things like yeah I agree with even that. in the From background the or something behaviorology stuff well like, it makes sense are her and I wouldn't want it to are her and Malcolm still involved <laughs> uh there's certainly opportunity for that and what's interesting is you know um her actress she did comment on um Laura Dern's post Julianne, Julianne Moore. It's not the first time. Yeah. That's not the first time. It's happened before. But when she posted the picture um, of the action figure, she did say anything, so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love if they somehow, even if like it's like basically she came in for some new photo- photographs. So even if we just see pictures of her still existing in her life. In... Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that would, would be, be a very cool way cool. to end this movie as well. Bring back a lot of the characters just as Bring they back are for, like, Kelly Malcolm. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Kelly Malcolm, we all thought there was, yeah, we, we were hoping she was going to be in Fallen Kingdom. I always, um... Like, that would have been cool to have a, a, a throwback, even if her her scene was actually a cameo, and Jeff Goldblum had, had a bit more of a role, mm-hmm. that would have been... Yeah, just even really if she was just sitting there in the audience, like, the camera never favored her or anything like that. Just something like, hey, if you're paying attention, that's actually sort of... Yeah, that's Kelly. Yeah, Kelly, Kelly, and it Kelly, makes sense Kelly, that Kelly. she'd be there supporting, you <laughs> Kelly, know, hey. supporting her father and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, hey, don't yeah. go out there. That, it's dangerous. You know what? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Kelly, um, Kelly, and Sarah. Yeah, those are how two many, characters. How many Kellys do you think are in this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Kelly and do you know what? Actually, um, uh, Vince Vaughn's character, Nick Van Oh, uh, Yeah. What did he do after Lost? I don't know. See, because I he love won him. the he Pulitzer. All, they lost all their what he film. Did. They lost all their. Yeah, maybe. he probably did. But they did, right? They did. That would be film. so Let's cool. See. If we could see his photo, if they put some budget into it, and like did uh, like released his photos that he took. Oh man! Yeah, you know, had I IOM remember, like so rendered some dinos. I watched Lost World the other day, work. and was was literally thinking of that. Like he he shot a lot of rolls of film, so he would have escaped with a couple of rolls somewhere if they were in his clothing. They probably would have been ruined, but you would have been able to get something. Cu- you would have been able to get something if he managed to get some of the film rolls off. Yeah, if he even got one island. roll off the island. That would just be because you got to think like film thirty five mil film rolls are small. I'm talking yeah. for you know stills. He's he had one of those. He had like a million pockets on all of his yeah. clothes and a backpack up until the very end. Yeah, right? there's no there's a, he probably as they developed shoved them in the pockets like had them all maybe in the trailers maybe maybe. That's Tell me how cool that would be to do a little project. They could probably shoot. They could shoot it all in the lost world. Just have a have, yeah. Ha- plan out the shots like of what they're supposed to be go get that same camera on that same type of film so it looks authentic work with a photographer that knows how to frame good shots but then they know what's supposed to be in it then work with iom in the past and like release six or seven photos that nick van owen and take and that's where you take sarah harding because he took pictures of sarah sarah took pictures of him right oh yes there's got that would be a cool way to 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 bring them back yes. technically you know have them in it as well like have a picture of sarah harding up on that log um but yeah no i don't know that would be 
That'd be fun. Yeah, I don't know. That's a fun little project. I'm like thinking about this right now. I'm like, that would be such a cool little in-world way that you could theoretically do for a pretty low budget. Sounds like a project for uh, Chaos Theorem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man, that would be fun. That would be a hell of a lot of fun. And also, that's somewhere I want to go, like see the locations where they filmed The Lost World, where like Dita's death was. Mm-hmm. There was somebody that did that. Somebody went to all the locations in California, and they uh, yeah. they and, 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 and took pictures and brought compies, had compies together. attack them. Yeah, um, live live compies to be clear. <laughs> that scene is so good, man. Dita's death. Oh, I it's so good. I love it. I still love uh, the idea, the concept that the compies are still venomous, and that's what slowly degrades, uh, you know, brings them down. Is the, the injuries yeah, are superficial, yeah. but it's the venom that's slowing him down and making him uh, sluggish and attacking him until he eventually Definitely. becomes immobilized. He just, he just becomes like devoid of energy. He just starts sort of like stumbling off, and then he he can't even climb over the log. He just like crawls over it and. And then that's yeah. So that's yeah. before the Wheatley death in Fallen Kingdom, like Dieter's death in The Lost World was like the one I went to is like an example of brutality in the Jurassic Park franchise. It's like I would t- I would say Eddie was just being savage. I mean, Eddie too, yes, but like just like a a slow burn, just mm. torturous death. Like man. But anyway, and the, and you got to talk about the score there as well. Yeah, oh my god! I mean, gosh. the music that plays over that, mixed in with the way Ooh. that's filmed and the shots, and then the you get the VFX mixed with the animatronics. Like he's got physical compies on, on him, him and he's yes. ripping off that, like grabbing his lip and things like that, oh, and they're man. like pecking at him like birds. The CG it's... for the compies works out astoundingly well, and even in four. What's yes. funny is is I think they have less detail on them than um than like the compy maquettes like what winston's coded but it doesn't look like it's like a softer 3d model what it looks like is it just looks like the compies have more amphibian like skin and then because anytime we see the animatronics like they're sort of shiny and whatnot and you don't necessarily see the detail up close it just it makes it look very convincing essentially the compies look like real physical things in a lot of these cg shots it's actually oh, it's, yeah i think it's, it's bizarre uh, how good they look areas it's well, it's spielberg in, in shadow for a lot of Scene. it's spielberg's mastery of lighting in that entire movie like mm-hmm. yeah makes things look so real it's ridiculous but, yeah i feel like though the uh the lot yeah even like the raptors at the end of the lost world look really good in cg um as they're running through the workers village uh yeah. it, it's sort that of whole sequence is, is really it's well astounding the actually when the uh, out, like, bad cg is when the raptors fight um, when Sarah drops off the roof, it's oh, not yeah. the worst. Um, when Sarah and Kelly yeah, of are the, uh, of the Raptors in that sequence, I think it's like when they roll. It's kind of like Ooh. okay. You know what's oh, funny I is gotcha. I yeah, aside yeah. from that, I th- the darkness masks it really well. I think most of the hero shots of the CG in the Lost World look better for the Raptors. Look better than the hero shots of the animatronics. Um, I thought that the the male raptors they look pretty convincing as CG, but on in the animatronic it's like lacking finer detail that the Jurassic Park ones have, and because of that it looks more of like a animatronic rubber dinosaur that's been painted rather than like a real like this the, the complexity of the painting didn't look like the complexity of a real animal on the animatronic. You mean like how um like the scene where Kelly does the yeah I'm the, the I've never like liked the tiger strike raptors because of all the hero shots of the animatronics all kind of looked fake. 
especially compared to Jurassic Park. The, they're not reflecting light the same way. There's not like the molted complexities within the color that you can notice ever so subtly. You gotta be careful here, Chris. You uh, I just I don't like the tiger raptors. I don't like the male raptors. <laughs> but mainly, mainly it's because this is the lost world. We're talking mainly about. it's because I felt like the stand. <laughs> this is the one time I can say I felt the Winston uh, work wasn't up to it, and just in terms of the paint, it just didn't look right with that style of um. The the paint the the coloration that they chose for the animal uh, mixed with then the way they painted the animatronic didn't look convincing to me. Um, what I was gonna say a minute ago, the scene where Kelly and Sarah are digging under the wall to try and get out, and the uh, yes. the raptor pounces in on them, that that yeah. still makes me jump to this day, and I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. Um, but anyway. It's just unexpected, I think. Yeah, it's a that whole sequence is so good. The way it builds that tension. They're in the workers' village, and then they're trying to get into that room. And then when they get in that room, it's they got to go up. And then when uh, Ian Malcolm finally makes it in the room, they're like, "Get out!" Of yeah, it, it just <laughs> go. Yeah. It's it's great. no, yeah. It's, of uh, course, it's then followed by a bizarre choice. The yes, uh, scene. I get it. It just doesn't play very it, well, but it does. It never bothered me. I mean, we've talked about that a lot before. Oh, it just wasn't something that ever got me. Well, that's because you're young when you it. saw it. If you would have seen that today in a Jurassic World film and not in the Lost World, you would. Yes. Like, let's be clear. It's but it's got nothing. It's got. Nothing <laughs> let's be clear. On a on a kiss in the middle of Main Street when people are dying around. I think it's just as bad. I think both are bad, bad, but I think it's bad. just as bad. <laughs> I understand that though. Yeah, the nostalgia. Yeah. The nostalgia wasn't playing a part. If the I saw that movie now for the first time, the school cut you from like, the team. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that I think yeah, that scene could have been that bit out and then handled. And then put in. If, I think if that's they showed why... less and they built around the gymnastic kick a little less, like if it just sort of happened, I think it would go a little better. But uh, even so, I don't think that was necessarily the choice. But I understand it. You know paying right. off that gymnastics thread and giving Kelly a heroic moment. but And I think that's why it yeah, works for, sure. for me, and I, I really like it, is because the Malcolm one-liner, like, that's just why I enjoy it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't bother me, but um, yeah, nothing does in the Lost World. In fact, <laughs> you know, I could, I could, I watched that the other night, um, quite late, I put it on, and, uh, you know. Was it raining? I, I finished it. It wasn't, uh, no, it may have been raining. I don't know, man. Um, but after it, when it finished, I was like, I could just literally watch that again. I could just press play again. Mm -hmm. I was so in tune with that movie, like, and getting to see it. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Lost so, World is gone. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was going to say I, uh, moving on sort of, but. I am uh, watching Jurassic Park three with a friend this evening who has never seen it. So, Whoa. Ooh. okay. I uh, had someone who we went through the entire all five Jurassic films. They'd never seen any. Well, oh, that I'm. And, uh, that was, I'm that was in really that fun. process with this friend. So, yeah, Jurassic Park three is up. That'll be interesting. Have they seen the first two? And have they We've, seen them recently? We watched the first two a couple of weeks ago and have have been busy haven't been able to continue yet so we're continuing today so Jurassic Park 3 uh, is going to be funny because it's, it's quite the tonal shift I uh definitely yeah. I, she's uh you know she's someone who appreciates film and and things like that so I'm interested to hear her opinions on it so 
Yeah. Imagine if she just loved it. She was like, well, that was better than that. I had that thought today. I was like, (laughs) what if, like, as someone who is not, like, a super fan of the franchise, she watches this movie and was like, that was fun. That was cool. (laughs) So... That's the best one. <laughs> That'll be great. Has she seen the, the newer ones? She's she's actually yeah, she's actually seen Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. She just hadn't seen the first three, so interesting. Oh, wow. wow, that must be really interesting. It, like coming back and then seeing it was the original super movies. interesting because like like my first question was like, why did someone not make you watch the other movies before you saw the newer ones? Yeah. Like I if I would have known you, I would have made you watch the other ones before we went and saw the newer ones but you have to watch it you're not allowed to see sit the new down one. we're watching yeah, this you must watch jurassic park <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no it's always wild i mean you sometimes we're so close to jurassic that it's so easy to forget that that's that can be a common thing for the newer films um so yeah it's interesting yeah. to see how also people yeah. react to it after their first introduction oh, yeah. is uh jurassic her world. her opinions were interesting like she i mean she loved jurassic park thought it was great um didn't think the lost world was as good as Jurassic Park which i thought was interesting um and so we'll see how she feels about Jurassic Park 3 but about Jurassic Park 3 um i and before um, we watched the lost world i told her i was like i love this movie this movie is really special to me i think it's fantastic and like i just prefaced it with that and that's all i said so anyway <laughs> so she went she she went easy on you she was like yeah it was good. yeah she <laughs> she uh she didn't uh hurt my feelings so <laughs> so i've got a question for you then what are you what are your this is jumping ship a little bit and changing subject but uh with camp cretaceous coming up what are some of your hopes with that and we could probably tie that back to music if you'd like oh yeah well i mean i am very excited for camp cretaceous and i'm glad they finally released a trailer um <laughs> seems like it was never gonna happen but um Anyway, um, yeah, seriously. I, I have high hopes for it. Um, I enjoy the animation style. There, I mean, there are animation styles that I don't like, but I really enjoy this one. And um, as far as music goes, I have really high hopes for that as well because um, in the trailer for Camp Cretaceous, they took a really traditional Jurassic Park route. Um, and that... It was really yeah. interesting to me that they chose that. Like, I mean, it, it, unless my memory is not correct, like, I don't think there was a, a Jurassic World theme in that trailer at all. Theme in the trailer? No, I don't think so. It'll be interesting to see if the show, um, you know, favors Jurassic Park themes, favors world themes, favors new music. Right, yeah. Doesn't have world themes, but has park themes. I, you know... It'll the, be interesting to see. The visual aspects of the show certainly seem to be going down more of the classic jurassic feel true, true. Mm-hmm. um as a composer i i hope that they like bring things back like the indominus <clears throat> theme and and things like that but like i'm not i mean i would love it if they mixed the two used some jurassic park really jurassic park feeling music and also some jurassic world stuff so um i uh was having trouble finding who the composer is for the show um i couldn't find it on imdb or anything so I, i'm not sure who it is but yeah imdb uh, doesn't currently have the cast on there or anything right yeah yeah um, which even though they're announced for, uh imdb because usually someone's in there right straight away like joseph maslow was on the jurassic world 3 had... thing do you remember it it was spelt wrong or... <laughs> it was oh yeah a good one <laughs> 
I had seen... Uh, I know that the composer is out there somewhere. I had seen something a few months ago with it, so I could probably... I'll have to dig back and see where I have that okay. and see if I can find it. Yeah, I swear it was on um, some press release somewhere for it, but... Yeah, hold on, let me see if... There's been, like, such a lack of um, anything on Camp Cretaceous up until this right te- this teaser trailer yeah um it, there was a there was a point where i was wondering if it was going to be pulled just, <laughs> and we just, just like get it. like never hear anything about it and they're like yeah just pretend like that never happened yeah they were gonna act like it didn't exist <laughs> and everyone be like well, yeah kind of like uh kind of like battle at big rock yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it's the same battle thing, what like the toy line <laughs> it's the same thing i'm more excited for dominion than i was um before the camp cretaceous trailer I don't know why. I think it's just there's something about that trailer that um, showed that there's still that heart and it still can capture some of that original feel that well, I feel like the newer movies might be yeah. missing. I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is, you know, something that uh, The Mandalorian did was like, and it was like a spin off TV show before a Star Wars movie came out. They introduced a concept of force healing in the Mandalorian with baby Yoda mm-hmm. and then used it in the rise of Skywalker because as it had been introduced in the Mandalorian. Um, and so a so thought I had was like, I wonder if there's going to be any lore or like storylines or concepts that are introduced in camp Cretaceous that are then talked about in Jurassic world dominion. That would be I cool. hope there's that the- tie and it would show that they've been planning things for a long time. But sometimes I feel like, maybe like chris has said before with the live tour that was supposed to be canon now it's kind of soft canon maybe they're not sure yeah. because it's kind of like right the communication colin's has been fantastic on universals and colin's definitely more in uh involved in this one in fact i mean i think he's i think he said that he joined like the writer's room for five days or something on this one and was more involved than he had to be like he like there was an interview with him with that uh, polish website uh yes where he said he partook in the writer's room because he always wanted to do that. And um, he... And, you know, Colin was, uh, his... a Holly... Colin was an industry writer before he made Safety Not Guaranteed. Like, he wrote mm-hmm. spec scripts, TV shows, you know, the, the ones where you're kind of uncredited. Um, yeah. I didn't know that until I right. listened to that podcast with Colin. But, um, yeah, he was working in the industry for years, like a long time before Safety Not Guaranteed happened um, as a writer. So he had all that experience from collaborating. Yeah, he knew how to navigate... Kind of... Um, yeah, the writer's room. So he could um, just slip into Camp Cretaceous and, and keep them on track in like a, a franchise way, like make things well, yeah, with certain things in the park. Yeah. It's like, you know, it would have been like that. Because, you know, Jurassic World's his, so it makes sense. And um, I'm really pleased that that has happened because that's consistency is something we need, especially with... Um, <laughs> The, the, you know, the other side of the island. It's like, where? Where is this? <laughs> where is Camp Cretaceous on the island? <laughs> um, well, where is the lagoon on the island? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that know. map at the end shows that it... I mean, it's a really... Yeah, you can't really in see Camp Cretaceous... Angle, you can see it. It kind of shows it's in the middle again. It's the Jurassic Oh, yeah, World it's the exact... Over Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. So Camp Cretaceous will have it back in the middle. It just... Yeah, I was sort of poking fun of the fact that the film's don't even that's i guess why i'm worried about the continuity of a cartoon that colin's only partly involved with is like things like john parker hammond or john alfred hammond you know like think in the lagoon location stuff like that like i'm like the continuity with jurassic is a curious one yes hey uh you know isla nublar gets a lot of rain 
it just well, bodies of water move yeah you know? <laughs> oh so. i you know i don't necessarily mind the opening shot of the lagoon where it's slightly different larger and whatnot because we never like can see that there's no like when, when we see the wide mm-hmm. shots it's so dark and stormy you can't see if there's like a lagoon or not or if it's like True. on the side of the ocean but it's when it's on the map when you see it on the map that's where the uh the plausible deniability yeah, of it all moved. falls apart. <laughs> it just completely it right falls apart there. Um, yeah, that's frustrating. I wish that they would have, um, at least for the at least for the Blu-ray, I wish they would have got a new map. Was Fallen Kingdom even about a Mosasaur that escaped? No, no, it had one goddamn no. shot at the end. It was so unnecessary. Um, as much as I dig that opening sequence, like we've said before, that's I think it's my favorite opening sequence in the franchise, Fallen Kingdom, but. Just, I don't know. It didn't need to happen. The Mosasaur didn't even need to break out because it didn't do anything anyway. It just was there at the end and like killed a surfer from. I think it's more interesting. Right? Because that was copyrighted footage that they didn't pay for. (laughs) No, they paid for it. I don't think that they're allowed to. I think it was like something like it turns out like the original person didn't think it was allowed to be edited or something like that. Like he was upset that he was like edited to fall off of his surfboard because that never happened. Like that was his big thing. <laughs> I think so. I don't know. I'm sure. Court, though, I swear. It, that was funny. I, it allegedly was going to court. I'm not sure if I ever followed it up and saw if it went to court or if he even had grounds or if universal's lawyers probably, it was probably up there for like complete use of like edit how you want whatnot yeah, so i probably. imagine they're probably they're they're probably in the clear just funny like um, getting a shot but it was kind of funny seeing <laughs> i know Jurassic uh, World Dominion's it, production budget they're like well we need a we need a good few mil for shutterstock <laughs> isn't the shot of the brachiosaurs in fallen kingdom also yeah, that's on the tv the isn't that a BBC shot from jurassic one. world yeah yeah isn't that a shot it's from the jurassic zoom in world where they just... shoot the indominus i think from the helicopter yeah it's just... <laughs> oh yeah it's 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 like little weird things like that i don't know i'm assuming that means those shots kind of maybe happened later in the the process when they were trying to figure out what they wanted on the tvs and everything like that it just stayed in. um but i do wish that they would have paid this this does happen in big you know continuity story-based movies like this i wish they would have paid to uh get iom to fix the map even if it wasn't in time for the theatrical release they could have had it fixed for the blu-ray i mean that's not unheard of i think uh, goblet of fire harry potter it had to do that with some of the uh gravestones and in a theatrical release like they had some of voldemort's family history wrong but in the blu-ray release they cg'd over it and uh fixed everything oh, so they could have because so you're right about the plausible deniability except for that intro where it actually just swims into the yeah ocean, it, but that's the only thing that needed change and the, we could have we could debate for days on why the lagoon now has an exit that eventually goes to the ocean and i think the easiest thing is saying hey it was flooded it hit the river and that's that and I think that's believable. We never saw enough to say that it couldn't have happened. We've only seen cartoony maps, so that doesn't really give us a, you know... Yeah, for sure. A good, for sure. good read. I think it's plausible. It's just, yeah, fix the freaking map. Yeah. <laughs> like, <sighs> like just, just do that, please. I mean, I, if it happens now, if they do a re-release down the line, they fix the map, I'd be happy because then they're trying to tie it together with a very easy, easy thing. Well, I just want to know exactly. And fix John Alfred Hammond to, read, to be John Parker Hammond, yeah, especially, because, especially because the photograph underneath it, the plaque says John Parker Hammond. Yeah. I don't know how, <laughs> and it says how Par- they got it I right. S- I, s- I bet you it says Parker in the script as well. I bet you it was like... It, it does! Because yeah. people that have read it have said, hey, yeah, it says John Parker Hammond in the script, so I don't know how, 
what happened there that they like recorded John Parker Hammond and then like went in and changed it to Alfred? Like, did somebody else like fact check that and like then think they had it wrong? Maybe Universal fact checked it. Like they fact checked the release dates of their own movies. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Uh, Hey, I I called it the other day on Twitter. Did you see? If you type Jurassic World release date into Google, it actually comes up with the May. Is it May twenty ninth (laughs) premiere? Universal man, next year it's gonna happen. Happy anniversary (laughs) to Jurassic World. It's in May. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, they probably they probably have that all archived, right? Because it's from this new era of the new team where they started archiving things. It's just everything that existed before that was never archived or cataloged in like a way that is like for franchise building, like that you do today. Yeah, but so if now, it's as simple as like, oh, I'll just Google it. Yeah, exactly. So that's how they populated most of the information, and that's why things like apparently you see Baryonyx and Suchomimus in Jurassic Park three, according to the Jurassic World website, among like a lot of other weird nuances with the dino facts. And it's just like, yeah, it was probably they probably went to the Jurassic Wiki, which kind of vaguely states that it was on the you know if you didn't know see the movies you wouldn't know whether or not it had a design that you saw or whatnot in the films so because Sukumimus and uh, Baryonyx are mentioned by Grant and Billy uh, they're in the film of course the Spinosaur didn't get a page until about a month ago on the website Wow! and they're using a very 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 bad looking render from Jurassic World the game like alive well, like not like the not there is a squirrel trying to get into my house um sorry <laughs> uh <laughs> what oh yeah i'm talking about like the the mobile game not like evolution where evolution if they would have at least used that 3d render it would have looked decent um anyhow tangent aside yeah well i, th- I think it's an excellent <laughs> point to end on um <laughs> uh <clears throat> caleb it's been really nice having you on the podcast man and it's been nice to catch up with you um since yeah the last time we spoke in person was uh at the wedding which was an incredible time yeah dude uh, yeah it's been great guys this is this is what i live for is chatting about jurassic with with people like you so um let's do it yeah it was yeah let's do it again and uh yeah i'm I'm glad the music turned out great and it works well so it does man it really really does and um yeah it may have taken us a while to get that together but i'm glad that we I'm glad that we stuck it out because I'm really happy now. I always felt like the oh yeah we never had enough. I mean, obviously our podcast is more of just a discussion based. We just kind of chat, you know, mm-hmm. and we let the conversation roll. But um, yeah, I always felt like we were missing something after that opening theme, and this truly right. yeah really fits in. It, it it's it's brilliant. It elevates it. Yeah, well, I'm always uh, game for writing more Jurassic music, so. <laughs> Well, Caleb, thank you so much again for coming on, man. It's, it's great to speak to you. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Thanks for having me. It was great. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the In General Podcast. And uh, check out the Draskalpost store, uh, draskalpost.com forward slash store. It's now open. There's masks and T-shirts and everything you're going to need. Everything. 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 Absolutely everything. Um, the only thing we don't have is um, we've sold out of Jurassic Park 3 on DVD. But we're getting that Not everything. back in. Not everything. <laughs> Nearly everything. <laughs> Um, go to zavi.com.co.uk wherever you are in the world I'm pretty sure they ship worldwide Outpost 20 20% discount on everything on their Jurassic themed and Outpost 10 for anything that isn't Jurassic themed pretty good deal Um, Zavi's pretty good there's some cool stuff on there but check that out guys thank you